I mean, <laughs> who's ever let a little murder get in the way of true love, you know? Greetings, travelers. Welcome back to Tales from the Enchanted Forest with your animal companions, Fox and Pharaoh. That's me. Ribbit, ribbit. <laughs> If you've been following us on Twitter and Instagram at Tales from the Enchanted Forest, then you will know that we have found a great tale for you today. Oh boy, we do. We went hopping along and we found this wonderful tale that we thought we'd just croak about for a while. It's called The Frog Prince. Well, actually, Pharaoh, the story is called The Frog King or Iron Henry. There's a lot of confusion about this. So he did he get promotion or something to king? Like, what happened here? So the tale we all know as the traditional frog prince story was originally called The Frog King or Iron Henry, and it featured in the 1812 edition of Children's and Household Tales by the Brothers Grimm. Confusingly enough, there is another tale called The Frog Prince, which is included in the same edition, but in the second volume. We'll go a little bit more into detail about what the differences are, but you all you need to know for now is that the Frog Prince, as it originally was, has now become redundant, and it no longer features in any of the Brothers Grimm tales, whereas the Frog King has adopted the title of Frog Prince and continues to live on in our memories. Here, here. Well, I'm excited to hop on over and see what this tale has for us. So once upon a time, there was a king who had many beautiful daughters, but the most beautiful of them all was the youngest. It is even said that the sun marveled at her face. A real ray of sunshine this girl was. Now, this golden girl had a golden ball that she loved to play with, especially near a well in a dark forest because there was nowhere else for her to go in the kingdom during the hot summers. King let his daughter just wander off into the dark forest so she could play with the golden ball? When I first read this story, I was very confused. Is there no child services keeping an eye on her? Being like, excuse well, me. I don't know. In the story, all it says is that she liked to go to a dark forest in her father's kingdom. And I'm like, okay. I mean, not my first place to hang out, but maybe it's really hot and there are no other nice forests nearby, you know, no trees in the garden for shade. But I mean, she also goes to a well to play with her ball, as in tossing it up and down near a, basically what is it, like a hole in the ground. Wow. She may be beautiful, but she's not very smart so far. <laughs> maybe she's just beautiful by comparison. Maybe, and the other daughters are ugly. <laughs> I think this golden girl goes on to become, like, one of the golden girls. I mean, I feel like the actual golden girls are a little bit smarter than this, but maybe this with her transformative years where she decides, hey, you know what? Summertime, I have this ball I like to toss up in the air. Let's go find a forest and a well. Specifically those two things. <laughs> that makes sense. So, you know, one day she's playing with her ball in her ideal summer resting spot. And to no one's surprise, the ball falls straight into the well. Well, I mean, it was to the princess's surprise because she is inconsolable. She's crying. She's, you know, whining. And out of nowhere, while she's having her own little pity party, she hears someone say, What is the matter? You're going to make the stones cry too. Looking around, the princess, you know, maybe she'll see a, a witch, a prince. Nah, she just sees a frog. But the frog does offer to go fetch her the ball but only if she promises to give him something in return. Now, the princess offers the usual things the princess has, like her gems, her crown, her clothes. I mean, she really likes this ball to offer her crown to the frog. Now, the frog, not being too economical and asking for his own palace or something to see how far she'll go, says that he only wants to be her companion, to eat with her, and to sleep in her bed. Okay, okay. I got a lot of questions. How does this frog plan on getting this ball? Like, I have no idea how big this ball is, but, I mean, if she's playing around with it, I'm imagining it's fairly sizable, and it's sunk to the bottom of the well. How does this frog think it's gonna, like, swim up with it? Honestly, I've never thought about <laughs> I've never thought about how the frog... I just assume, you know, frogs can swim, they can dive, that he'll just go this down there and get it. This is golden ball that... 
sunk to the bottom of the well. Maybe he's holding it up. You know how you can get under something? So maybe he he dived under it. Okay. And then he was pushing it up with his hands while his feet were, like, paddling upwards. Okay, I can actually see that. I feel like that would make a bit of sense, no? That would still be rough. Okay, that actually helps. I was trying so hard to think about how he was able just to swim up with it. When you first asked, the image that came to my head was him wrapping his arms and legs around it and then just floating back up, (laughs) which definitely didn't happen. But you know what? I think the bigger question here is, why does she not question a, a talking frog? I feel like if I was crying about my golden ball and a frog started talking to me, I would just be like, all right, something's not right. She's also a princess. And isn't that by, like, default means you get to talk to animals? Maybe not talk to them, but I know you can summon them and use your Snow White powers to sing and summon a whole bunch of birds to do your laundry or whatever she does. Or is that Cinderella? I can't remember which of the princesses we're thinking about. That just sounds like a D&D character I want to play that just control, like, summons animals to get you to do stuff. Specifically, errands and laundry and cleaning. Yes. If you want to be a true Disney princess or a true princess in general, just have the power to summon animals. And unlike what they do in Shrek, is, is actually use them to fight or whatever, instead have them just do chores because that leaves you to daydream about your prince. Yeah. Okay, so... She hasn't questioned the frog, so either A, she does have this power, this def- the, this default princess power of talking to animals, okay, or B, she's experienced this before. I guess this is just a common thing in her kingdom that animals talk. It might be one of those things where it's a fantasy world, and so it's not that big of a deal that a frog is talking to her, so she's just like, all right, you know, this frog's offering to do me a favor in exchange for my companionship for the rest of my life. You know, here you go. Just just go along with it. I had a third question. What was your third question? He doesn't take the opportunity to get a palace or anything. He's like, I want your companionship and sleep in your bed. Big old red flag here. What the heck? (laughs) If he's a frog, what, he gets squished? Like, what if she rolls in her sleep? Then that's just done. Blatso. I don't think she thought that far. Um, I think she's just thinking, I'm going to get my ball and then I'm going to ditch this frog because this frog means nothing to me. I do not care. Which is very, you know, entitled princessy behavior for someone who's, you know, the golden child. All right. What happens next? Okay. So the frog very humbly just asks to be her companion and to eat with her and sleep in her bed. But the princess, internally thinking about how this silly frog thinks she will ever do any of that, just agrees to his terms. But when the frog comes back up with her ball, she just runs away immediately. Definitely not a golden child. She kind of forgets about the frog. I think this is a good summary of us just not reading the terms and conditions when we agree to, like, everything on the internet. And then we're like, what do you mean they stole our information? (laughs) Like, well, I didn't agree to that. And then... They come back and show you the contract and they go, well, it was in there. And you have to go, well, you see, my ball was missing and I was looking for it. And this magical frog offered to get it for me. So when I promised him that, you know, I would agree to his terms and conditions, I wasn't really paying attention. I had no intention of following through. Kind of like, how dare there be consequences to my actions? Oh, my gosh. Anyway, so we're about to see what happens to our, our wonderful, beautiful princess. She kind of just forgets about the frog, doesn't really consider him to be worth noting, doesn't even mention him over dinner that night. The next day, however, as they're having dinner and talking about noble things, they hear a knocking at the door and someone shouting, Princess, open the door for me! The princess is wondering who that could be. So she opens the door and she sees the frog, who most likely spent the last day hopping over to her. She kind of just freaks out, slams the door shut, and leaves. As one does with unwanted house guests. Now, her dad, the king, wants to know why she looks so scared. Were there telemarketers outside trying to sell her something? Uh, no. And so she tells him the entire tale. And unsurprisingly, her dad is not on her side. And he makes her open the door, saying, What you have promised, you must keep. Now, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Yeah. Do we have a king who's actually reasonable? 
think this is a first. Yeah, I mean, I thought that was pretty surprising, too, the first time the king was just like, you know what? You go honor your promise. I don't care that you're my most beautiful daughter, that you're my youngest daughter. You promise something. Even if it was just to a frog, you go honor that promise. Yeah. I think we have an MVP right here. MVP. Also, another thing. Why is the princess opening the door? Do they not have servants to, like, open doors for them and stuff? Well, I don't know. I, I feel like someone else should have opened the door. But maybe because they were specifically shouting princess, the king was like, all right, you know, go open the door. Although you have to think, where are the other princesses? Because if someone is just generically yelling, princess, open the door, you would think the other princesses would also get up and be like, all right, I guess it's a caller for me too. Do you think he went to the wrong castle and got the <laughs> iconic, I'm sorry, your princess is another castle shenanigans? Probably. I mean, he's a frog. I don't know how much he knows about the layout of this land or this kingdom. And he doesn't have any tracking abilities besides maybe general direction she ran off to. So this castle needs more servants and it actually is a reasonable king. So maybe he was giving them the day off or something. Or maybe because he's so reasonable. He's just like, I'm not, you can check your entitlement at the door and you can go open it yourself. You know, go, someone's calling for you. You go open that door. You promise someone they can eat off your plate. Well, call them in, grab your plate. Now, the king's great and excellent parenting is the best case scenario for the frog. However, not so much for the princess, who has to hoist this gross little frog up to her plate and let him eat her food. Now, I'm imagining lots of tongue flying out of the mouth to grasp food kind of action. Um, and it's not very pleasant, so I'm sure the princess did not eat anything. Having eaten his fill, the frog says that he was done and wanted to go to bed with her. I am not a fan of the princess, to be very clear. She's very yeah. entitled, very rude, you know, kind of snobby. Real crybaby. Again, it doesn't surprise us that she's starting to cry at this moment. But I would also cry if I had to let a frog sleep in my bed with me. You know, maybe she had just had her sheets washed. Maybe she's very weird about her sleeping habits. Either way, she starts crying. Dad gets angry and tells her that because the frog helped her when she needed him, she can't hate him, which I think is a conversation that needs to be had. Yeah. Because I feel like there's a lot of, yay, the dad was great, but now the dad is looking at his daughter sobbing. Maybe she cries a lot, we don't know, but she's fully, like, sobbing. This might be him hitting his limit, like, oh my gosh, you cried when you dropped your fork the other day, we need, we need to figure this out. <laughs> like, what's wrong with you, sweetie? Like, what's going on? Why are you crying? I feel like if my child was crying because I wanted them to sleep with a frog, I would maybe have, like, maybe we can bring, you know, a tiny frog bed for your frog to sleep on. Or let's find a compromise. But the king is not having it. He just straight up goes, how can you despise this frog who you don't know, you just made a promise to? Um, as much as I'm on the king's side for, you know, in curtailing her entitlement, I'm just kind of like, okay... A bit much, you know, she's her own person. She's probably some semblance of an adult or, you know, late teen. Maybe if she's very upset about this situation, this could be a conversation you have. I'm all for keeping promises, but to an extent, if they make you uncomfortable, if they cross boundaries that you have, I feel like at some point you have to go, okay, I'm sorry I shouldn't have made this promise. And it should have been a conversation where he goes, okay, apologize to the frog and send him on his way. And then you can stay here forever because you'll never have a prince. Yeah, for promises like this, you definitely, it's like when you're that side outside your comfort zone, you gotta have talk it out. But I guess if this frog is that much of a jerk, it's rough. But I mean, if it were me, I, I guess I'd be fine with it because I know there's a very good chance like I'd be having to warn him like, yo, I roll around a lot when I sleep. You are probably going to die. I'm sorry. <laughs> but if this is really what you want, then I, your funeral. <laughs> Could not. I am so scared of bugs and small, you know, toads and frogs and reptiles. They just freak me out. So I would not be able to sleep with one in the same room as me, much less with one in the same bed. Like, I have refused to go to bed until my dad's got, got rid of, like, a spider or something on a wall because I'm so scared. Spiders are evil, and I would be with you there. <laughs> yeah, but I'm totally on the princess's side when I'm like, I do not want to sleep with a frog. Like, that's not happening. We're not doing this. I'm going to cry. 
but dad says she has to and you know we have the whole where's the mom in this i don't know i was gonna ask i think i mean where are her sisters all these other princesses maybe you know what maybe you're right maybe they're all just tired of her crying over everything so they're like you know what this it feels like the way he's going about this this is a long time coming and he's this is just the final straw he's like you know what deal with it it's a frog it's not gonna kill you this is your problem (laughs) i mean there are poison frogs out there our princess continues with her crying but she does take him up to her room when she gets there, though, she does leave him in a corner, which Froggy does not like. And he goes, pick me up or your father will hear about this, Potter. Sorry, I, I read this. <laughs> I, had to, I had to do a Malfoy voice because as soon as I saw the frog in the original story was talking about how he's going to tell her dad, I was like, all right, you're, you're going a little bit overboard there. Um, and our princess is also, you know, having the same sentiments. She's kind of ticked off by this. She picks him up and she kisses him. Wait, no, wrong story. Sorry. Yeah. She hurls him into a wall. <laughs> and morbidly still, she says, and this is a quote from the book that I just had to pick up because, I mean, she goes, now you will have your peace, you disgusting frog. <laughs> so she went from fulfilling your promise to just straight up murder. <laughs> went from okay i'll listen to you dad and you know like he can eat off my plate i'll take him upstairs and she just you know goes full and she just pushes like not pushes sorry she fully just tosses him into a wall and says i hope you're dead you disgusting frog i mean we don't really see a lot of princesses or female characters have agency in their stories as we've seen so far like she's She's kind of had a bit of agency because she made the promise on her own, but her father's been enforcing the promise up until now. And the second she gets a little bit of freedom, she just straight up murders him. So, I mean, I want to hit him kind of like, yeah, make your own decisions. But also, is murder really the best decision? The frog did, you know, threaten to talk to my dad about not letting me sleep, not letting him sleep in my bed. I might consider, you know, tossing him out a window or something. But she fully just picks him up and yeets him into a wall. Like, I feel like there's something here that needs to be unpacked. I'm just not quite sure I am mentally able to unpack it at this moment because I am still processing. I hope the frog, if he survives, just rethinks his scenario. Like, maybe this was not such a good idea. (laughs) This girl's (laughs) cray-cray. You would think. But instead of finding peace, as she kindly requested, the frog turns into a prince, who, you know, should promptly tell her off for trying to murder him and for not keeping her promise. Instead, he tells her he was enchanted by a witch, but now he is saved. She is his wife, and they will travel to his kingdom tomorrow. And I'm sure this was all said in one breath. And the princess who just tried to murder this dude, you know, is probably going to be like, you know what? No, I want to stay here. I don't want to go with you. Uh, But no, she's totally cool with it. And they go to bed. So, I don't know what to say. I'm just, I remember reading the story and I was like, well, maybe they'll explain why he turned into a frog. Maybe they'll explain, you know what? She was very overwhelmed. She has a phobia of frogs. This has all been very hard on her. The prince explains to her everything, and they bond over their hatred of frogs, and, you know, things make sense. But instead, he just kind of turns hot, and she's like, okay. Yep. I guess you're no longer gross. Sorry I tried to murder you, but it's all cool because now you're my husband. Moral of the story, kids, is you need to keep your promises. Unless they're gross, then it's fine to break it. I mean, it's fine to break it because at the end, there'll be absolutely no consequences. No consequences. end up with a hot guy who does not care that you tried to murder him. He's just going to be like, all right, you know what? It's cool. We were <clears throat> destined to be together. Wow. It's it, it. There's just so much that happens in those like two lines that you just said. <laughs> and they gloss over so much. They do say that this is one of like their staple german folktale fairy tale fairy tales they they will constantly have and it's usually the first one in their um in their collections so there's definitely something here that they were like you know what obedience following your promise, promises all of these things 
make for a great story. So, okay, do you have anything else to discuss about, um... I do. All right. I'm still very mad about it. <laughs> um, well, one thing I I kind of thought was interesting is when she made the promise, again, she was her own person. She was entitled, yes, but she made that decision on her own, not thinking about the consequences of it. Her dad is the one that made her face those consequences and kind of told her, like, she has to keep her promise. He enforced a rule to her. The second she has a moment to herself with the frog, she doesn't take orders from him very well. As soon as he says, like, put me on your bed or I'll tell your dad, she lashes out in a very violent way. Violent, but again, it's her own, it's how she is. So she's doing it as her own person. Mm -hmm. But then immediately after she does this thing, which should have, again, more consequences for her, the prince appears and he's her husband now and he tells her what they're going to do and everything's kind of solved. So we never actually get an address about her behavior or, you know, what made her want to murder this frog so badly in on the spot. What was her extreme reaction? Where did it come from? How does it go with the, the whole concept of obedience um, that the Brothers Grimm were really trying to push with this story? I mean, I don't really see the story and think obedience. No. I, I see it and I think, wow, that's a weird story. <laughs> A self-contradicting story, which we'll talk about more later. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's really weird, and I never really thought the story would go like this. I thought there might be some, no. like, it might be gross to kiss the frog, but I thought she still did it. It was one of those things where I was like, oh, where's the kiss? And we will talk about that more in a bit, because yeah. I will find the kiss for you. It's just not in this story. This story is one of those stories where, like, you know how usually people are like, oh, the book was better than the movie? This made me feel like, nah, Disney did a pretty good job with their version of the story. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think the, the, the original story is better than what Disney did in the end. I mean, I want to give the Brothers Grimm some credit. I mean, this is a very strange concept, not original to them by any means. There are tons of stories about frogs becoming magic into, sorry, princes becoming magic into frogs. And then there's the whole animal bridegroom theme that carries on in other stories, like we see with the Beauty and the Beast. Mm -hmm. So it's not it's not an original tale, but it's definitely something that I'm glad they put in there because it's just so weird to read that you're like, wow, yeah. I love this in a I hate it kind of way. You know that show you watch that you don't think is good, but you watch it because you're still fascinated by it? It's one of those where I want to know how it ends. And with this one, you think... It ends with the prince turning into a prince and saying, we're going to live together. But alas, where we would usually say they lived happily ever after is actually what I think is my favorite part of this story. And that's the introduction of our good friend, Henry. Ah, yes, Henry, our good friend from earlier, probably. From at some point before this story happened, there was a guy named Henry, and he shows up at the end, the very end, um, and you might recall him from the title. One of the titles for The Frog King was also Iron Henry. The bad sequel to The Iron Giant and Iron Man? <laughs> I think it's the prequel. The ah, he was there first. <laughs> this is how the trilogy goes. Iron Henry, The Iron Giant, and then Iron Man. Yeah, exactly. I don't understand how that trilogy works out but okay i will tell you how it all makes sense because the very next day a carriage appears at the princess's home and at the very back of this carriage is the prince's old servant henry or known in german as henrich again i'm so sorry i don't speak any of these languages i'm trying my best it might have been henreich it might have been something more germanic instead i've said henreich and he is there, and he's there to transport the prince and the princess back to the prince's kingdom. As they're heading to the kingdom, the prince keeps hearing popping noises, and he thinks the carriage wheels are bursting. But when he asks Henry what's happening, the servant says it's just his bands bursting. <laughs> now, you see, Henry is a very, you know, devoted servant. He puts all of his time into his work. He spends a lot of time, you know, at the prince's side. So when the prince turned into a frog, Henry was devastated. I'm talking the levels of this princess is sobbing. 
And what he does is he doesn't go to therapy, doesn't go to grief counseling, doesn't try and find his missing frog prince. He gets iron bars wrapped around his heart to keep it from bursting, uh, which is a very normal practice back in the day. People would just, you know, surgically add bands to their heart. And apparently Henry is just so happy and joyful at seeing his master who in no way summoned him, you know, he just appeared, um, that as they're on their way to the kingdom, the bands around his heart just keep bursting, which is where I'm going to guess the phrase, my heart is bursting or whatever comes from, because I cannot think of any anything else. I'm confused. It's just such a random thing tacked on at the end, and yet it's kind of wonderful. I mean, when I read the title, Iron Henry, I was like, okay, at some point there will be something like an animal or a creature made of iron named Henry who will do something. I did not expect this. (laughs) You know, I expect it to be about the last paragraph with new characters that come out of nowhere. I have so many questions about this prince. Why was he turned into a frog? Why did he pick this specific princess? Why was he chilling in this random well in this dark forest? Why was he so insistent on this one princess when he could go find another one who maybe would have been nicer or kinder or, you know, sweeter? Maybe he had tried. Maybe this was, like, one of many promised stuff and then they never came back and he's like, dang it. And this time he was like, I'm going to get her, gosh dang it. There's this prince. Why does he... It's immediately like this princess who is nothing but cruel to him the entire time. Why does he want to make her his wife? Why does Henry know where the prince is? Why does Henry have bars around his... Like, who did that to him? I feel like there's a story here that I'm so much more interested in than the princess and the frog one that I'm like, tell me about Henry. I want the prequel. Yes, I want to know what happened here. I'm I'm getting a lot of bad vibes and I want to know why. <laughs> I am a big fan of like annoyingly loyal to a fault servant or like friend i'm always a fan of those characters because they are just you can always count on them they're always just so great but we only get him right at the end here it's like my guy how did you not find him sooner it does kind of remind me of if you've seen i think it's a bbc show i someone correct me if i'm wrong um, but the show Merlin, which is currently on Netflix, oh, yeah, Merlin. is one of the greatest shows, in my opinion. It reminds me of the dynamic between Merlin and Arthur in the series, where Merlin is loyal to a fault to, you know, Arthur, who's not always the greatest guy. No. Um, you know, he does magic to save Arthur quite a bit. Arthur's still very rude to him on a lot of occasions, but... It's one of those things where as soon as I read this, I was like, I could see Merlin showing up to be like, hey, Arthur, you're no longer a frog. Come on, let's go back home to Camelot. You know, get in the back. Um, I do not see him getting iron bands wrapped around his heart because that is a different level of devotion um, that I don't know what to call. But I would like to know why Henry is so devoted to this prince. Is it because of the prince? Being such a good dude, like, was the prince just a really nice employer? Did he give lots of vacation days, lots of time off? Did he save his life? Maybe he did. Maybe the prince became a frog instead of Henry becoming a frog because Henry was the original one that was cursed. We will never know because we never hear about Henry again. No, and that's where the story ends. Like, it's it really does a dramatic shift from the princess being our main protagonist and then the prince for a hot minute gets his own one sentence protagonist line and then we move over to henry and the protagonist just whiplash really um but yeah that was that was the story for for this week that is i like it to think about it's kooky Um, just as i like my fairy tales I mean, I do like the fairy tales that aren't very straightforward because I feel like the straightforward ones where you're like, okay, princess meets prince, princess and prince fall in love, very romantic, a little bit of magic happens to keep them apart. Oh no, now they're back together. Oh yes, Yay. happily ever after. I like there's an element of, well, she tried to kill him. Um, and now they're married. <laughs> and now they're married. And now here's Henry again. I mean, who's <laughs> ever let a little murder get in the way of true love, you know? Well, to be fair, a lot of these grim fairy tales 
they're very grim. So <laughs> I think this falls into that category. It's like the, the Little Mermaid one. But the princess and the frog, like the, the frog prince concept, isn't original, I guess, to the Brothers Grimm. Mm -hmm. It's popped up in literature a bunch of times. And one thing I did notice, because I read a couple of them, so I think one thing that's really fascinating about the whole tr attempted murder situation is that it replaces our kiss. Ah! The kiss we're looking for. I mean, when you think of Princess and the Frog, you automatically think of Princess Kisses Frog turns him into Prince. That is the very basic concept of Princess and the Frog. Mm -hmm. The Frog Prince, however, has a very different type of trope, which gets very, very dark in a lot of different adaptations. I've tried to look up where the kiss was, and instead I found a lot of gruesome things happening to frogs, which are all, you know, slightly terrifying. Just to highlight two of them, in a slightly different Korean version, the frog, he gets a fiancé, um, his stepmom finds him a fiancé, they wed, and he asks his new wife to cut his skin off. What? And when she does, he becomes a prince. Ew! That's not even the worst one. I thought the worst one for me was in the Scottish version called The Well of the World's End. Um, the bride has to chop his head off. Ah, uh, I mean, okay, no. I think peeling off skin is creepier for me, but yeah, that's not great either. They're not great. I mean, in the story with the Brothers Grimm, we see her doing it out of her own, you know, her own accord. She just takes matters into her own hands and literally chucks him out a wall yeah and that's how she turns into a prince but in other ones the i feel like the girls are less willing to do this they get asked by their frog husbands to do something very horrific to the actual frog and they just have to trust this frog is not some sadistic frog that just you know wants to die in a really weird way they have to trust that something will come of this and they have to chop off his head or cut his skin off so I feel like in some cases, our princess has a lot more agency and control of her own actions than she does in some other versions, including the later versions of this exact tale by the Brothers Grimm, because in this one, she chooses to toss him into a wall. He doesn't mm -hmm. ask her to. Maybe he, that maybe that was what it was leading up to. Maybe who's going to go, you know, toss me into a wall, babe. I'll turn into a, a prince. Um, <laughs> but this story... It's it's very dark. I could not find a kiss in a no. lot of them. So I was just like, I guess we just really like hurting frogs to turn them into princes. One thought I had was what if the curse was specific and said, okay, you are a frog until you either like are called out on your rude behavior or be like you see the air in your ways of your rude behavior. Like, because he was pretty rude to her. It was, like, demanding her to do everything. And then maybe when she threw him against the frog, like, you know, one of those two things were met. And then he was turned into a human because he's like, whoa, I should stop being a jerk. Well, this is the thing I've also thought about. Because um, I was trying to think of, okay, why a frog? Why would they choose a frog as their transformative animal? And it happens too many times throughout different regions and throughout different storytelling methods and throughout different kind of time periods we kind of have to be like why are people choosing frogs mm -hmm. and one thing i kind of looked at was well frogs do kind of symbolize new life and transformation and they live in kind of this liminal space between being able to be water creatures and being land creatures and so they're kind of of this world but also of the aquatic world and with some types of frogs if you cut off their limbs they can grow new ones so what i thought about was what if the prince was actually a really bad dude and the witch cursed him and in order to make that transformation, he had to sacrifice some part of himself to regrow back into his old self um, or to his old body, but with a new mindset, I guess. So to me, it was more of a, he has to make that sacrifice and either have his head chopped off or his skin peeled off or be trampled on or be, you know, chucked up against a wall. Whatever the horrific method is, it's a way of destroying one part of him so that he can reemerge as a different part. Um, and that's what I always kind of thought about because frogs do symbolize a lot of transformation. So to me, it was he had to do something drastic to make that happen for himself. Mm. Or I guess even trust in other people. Like you have to trust someone enough that if 
I tell you, you know, Sparrow, cut off my tail. It'll help me. <laughs> I have to trust that you'll listen to me and you won't be like, okay, but I love you too much. I can't ever cut off your tail because you're worried about what would happen. Um, in these cases, most of the women are just like, I guess I'll do it. As reluctant as they are to actually do the, the task, they still do it. They trust the frog's word that this will have some positive outcome. And in the end, it happens. I mean, they're obedient to the frog, um, or in some cases, they're obedient to their frog husband. And it ends up giving them a, a leg up in life because now they're a princess or a queen. They have their own kingdom. So I guess it's based on that theme of trust and obedience to your husband, even if he's a frog who you tried to kill. So what I heard just there is that you want me to cut off your tail? Okay, let me just go get my knife. Um, I don't think I will turn into a prince as much <laughs> as I would like to, but I am also happy that I don't have to do that. You sure? I'm already got the knife right here. I, I could just, you know, help you out there. Um, take a little bit I'm, off the end, maybe. I'm going to be okay, I think. All right. But I would like to talk about your frog prince misconception. If we can cut to that. Aha. 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 Cut to it. <laughs> so what we talked about at the very beginning was the problem with the frog king and the frog prince and all of this confusion. The story we just told was the story of the frog king, or the alternative title that I like is Iron Henry, because, I mean, the story is about Henry. Just a little bit about the frog prince. Let's go see if there is a kiss in there. Spoiler alert, there is not. We do not see any kisses in this one. This Boo. one does have a different element that I would like to touch on, though. So in The Frog King, the princess, you know, she's forced by her father. She throws the frog. There's the prince's friend, Henry. In The Frog Prince, there are three daughters. And they meet this frog who's making their well water all murky and they don't like him. He offers to make it clear if they will be his sweethearts. And the first daughter says no. Second daughter says no. But the third daughter really wants her cup of water. So she, you know, agrees to be his sweetheart. <laughs> and in this one, when the frog comes to her at night, she lets him in of her own accord and she lets him sleep at the foot of her bed. Oh, so she's nicer about it. Well, she does this for three nights. Wow. And she did squish him? Nope. She, he slept at the foot of her bed, so it's oh. not like he was, you know, getting the pillow treatment. He was at the foot of the bed. Okay. But she lets him do this, and on the third night, um, he she wakes up to find that he's transformed into a prince. That seems like a better way to go. He wasn't rude about it. He just was there, and she was, was nice about it. was a little bit obnoxious. Oh, yeah? He was still obnoxious. I mean, he was still banging on her door, singing, you know, remember that you promised me while I was sitting in the well that you would be my sweetheart, dear, blah, blah. And she goes, "Ugh, that's my boyfriend, the frog. Ew. I promise I'll open the door for him. Status, it's complicated. Well, I mean, it's a very complicated relationship, but she does it of her own accord. She upholds the promise by herself without the intervention of the male figure of the king or the parent who has to, you know, make their child be obedient. Um, she does it by herself. She gets rewarded for, you know, keeping her promise. Mm -hmm. And it's this story that gets, you know, emitted from the record. This is the one that they're like, you know what? We don't really want this one. We want her to throw him against a wall. We want that. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I think that's the version I would pick too. It's the most dramatic and most random. And that seems to be in line with the Brothers Grimm style. To be fair, if I had the two options, I would go with the first one as well, because there's no Henry in the Frog Prince, whereas we have the wonderful Henry in the Frog King. Uh, but that's just a little bit of trivia about the weird analysis that happens. A lot of people nowadays, when they mention the Frog Prince, they are talking about this story that we just were telling for. So it gets very confusing when you're trying to research anything, because people <laughs> reference the Frog Prince, and you're like, okay, I got it. But then they. They also mentioned the Frog King, and you're like, okay, what's that? Another name you might be more familiar with is the Princess and the Frog, which is Disney's take on this story that was developed and released 2009. It's probably, at this point, one of the most well-known versions of the story because Disney is a juggernaut when it comes to fairy tales. <laughs> to be fair, when they're doing it the first time around, 
honestly, for the most part, they really do it well. Um, have you seen this film? I did also read the book it was based on, The Frog Princess by E.D. Baker, and it's pretty much good. I think I like the Disney one better. Mm-hmm. Tiana is just one of my favorite Disney princesses. She's down. great. So The Princess and the Frog by Disney, I think, is just an absolute masterpiece to me. Oh, I love it. It's so underrated. I think it's my favorite version of the story. I love the fun twist that she turns into a frog. And it's also just sadly the last film that Disney made in that 2D animation style, which I really hope they bring back one day. I mean, we've seen from all their old movies, but this one in particular, how well they do with it and just how exciting and animated they can be, even though it's just a 2D style. That aside, the story itself is quite fun and it really gives a new take on the whole Disney princess thing. I highly recommend if you've not already seen it. You know, it's one of those ones where I would recommend as well. I would want anyone of any age to watch that movie. One of the problems we have with our fairy tales is so often our princesses don't have any agency. They don't have any control. They have to do horrific things. And with Princess and the Frog, I feel like Tiana is just, she's underrated. She's a hard mm-hmm. worker. She yeah. wants to make something of herself. She doesn't want to, you know, have a prince who's not interested in that. And as someone who, you know, worked throughout university and, you know, worked, I pretty much worked my entire adult life. I really respect the fact that she wakes up to go to work, goes to bed for like 10 minutes and gets up again because she has a dream and a passion and she's following it. Yeah. I like the prince. He follows her passions too. He respects her. They maintain their individual characteristics or individual personalities even while they are frogs Mm -hmm. and it's one of the ones one of the disney ones where i'm like yes this is a female role model that i can support and i can stand behind i can respect and i like how they maintained his the personality of the prince pretty much stays the same both the original version and this disney adaptation they didn't shy away from how much of a jerk this guy starts out yeah they're like he needs some kind of transformation to become a better person he's not that person yet but you know Mm -hmm. you look at this frog and you think he can be a good person we're gonna work on him it's also just classic disney fun i i'm here for it i'm I'm definitely here for it as well i love disney princesses i love tiana i love rapunzel Mm -hmm. Um, merida i think they're so powerful and they're so strong and they take things into their own hands and i like i i am such a sucker for fairy tale retellings and twists in them yeah. So I love when they take a fairy tale and they make it their own, um, which is what E.D. Baker did when she made it so that the princess turns in the, into the frog instead. And I love those kind of books and those kind of movies because it's just so unique. And they take something and they make it modern and they make it fit into our world. Well, I think we're quickly running out of time. So let's run through quickly our five favorite moments, our five fantastical finds, if you will. Number one, I found the first kiss. I found the first kiss. <gasps> yeah, I did. You can all thank me. Wilhelm Busch wrote a tale called The Two Sisters in 1881, where the good sister meets a frog and kisses him not once, not twice, but three times, ew, for him to turn into a prince. Whereas her lazy sister kisses a water sprite who drags her into his underwater realm. A cautionary tale on being kind to animals, I suppose. Or maybe that was like Aquaman that she kissed. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Number two. We did not find just the one kiss. We found two kisses, dear travelers, for our froggy smooch. We have another German source by Ulrich John in 1891. We have a tale called The Queen and the Frog, where a queen needs to fetch her wedding ring from the bottom of a well, and the frog offers to do it only if she marries him. Now, the queen is very happily married to the king, who's off in battle, so she tries to get her maid to do it instead. But this particular frog insists that she be the one to kiss him. So she does what we would all do, and she blindfolds, she blindfolds herself. And it turns out the frog is her husband! Who would have known? So now, dear travelers, you have two sources for your frog kiss. Number three. 
Like all stories, the Frog Prince has a fair number of tropes. We could go over them each individually, but I want to focus in today on the one specific trope, the broken Aesop. Now, you're probably wondering what the heck that is. Well, an Aesop was actually a Greek philosopher who often wrote fables with a very intentional morals to say. So a broken Aesop is a story where the moral of the story is completely undermined by the way characters go about learning that lesson. So in our story today, you could see the moral of the story being to keep your promises and to treat people well. But (laughs) it's completely undermined when our protagonist, the princess, does not want to keep her promise and she does not treat this frog well. So she straight up murders it. But then she is rewarded for doing so. It completely undermines the idea of this story. Now, if you're wondering about... What other examples? Well, there's actually a lot more examples than you would think. First example that jumps to my mind is the 2017 Justice League. In this film, the tagline is quite literally, you can't save the world alone, which is fair. We talk a lot about stories bringing people together, and the Avengers and the Justice League are very big examples of heroes coming together to make a difference they couldn't do on their own. But in actuality, when you watch the movie, it's more of you can't win without Superman because you have the whole team at the end of the movie fighting very hard to save the day and they all just get wiped. And then Superman walks in and pretty much solves every problem on his own with no assistance from anybody else. Uh, So, you know, good idea. Work together that. You know, then you could do anything, but in reality, you just need Superman. Another example of this trope is from the movie The Greatest Showman. This wonderful musical has a lot of glamorous lights and some very good music, but a kind of a dark message at the end of the day. The whole point of the movie is don't judge people by their cover. You don't know what they're like on the inside, even though they might look different from you. That's nothing weird or to be ashamed of. But the whole point of the circus was to exploit people for being freaky, weird, and different so people could come and laugh at you. So nice sentiment, but not the point of a circus kind of undermining the value of that message. I don't know about you, but... I think that's kind of weird. I also think that's kind of weird. Number four. So while I was on the hunt for this kiss, I did come across another interesting little tidbit. The earliest elements from the Frog Prince trope come from the Romans with Petronius writing in Satyricon, the man who was once a frog is now a king. Although this is thought to be related to Emperor Nero, who is often compared to a frog, and less so about some reference to a folktale relating frogs to man, it's still funny nonetheless. And that finally brings us to number five. Stories make its way into pop culture all the time, which is good reason for it. We're all familiar with it, so we like referencing stuff. So if you are a fan of Marvel Comics, you might know that Thor actually becomes frog during Simonson's era of the Mighty Thor. And this is not because of a witch, but <laughs> you guessed it, it's because of his brother Loki. He turns him into a frog. But don't worry, once Thor gets his precious mole near back, he promptly turns back into the muscular Thor we all know and love. Another time this has popped up is if you've played Animal Crossing New Horizons, in this game you have a museum that you want to fill with all sorts of creatures, including a frog. And if you give this frog to the curator, Blathers, he will tell you, Rivet, my prince has arrived. It's like a true love story right there. Pharaoh, you're missing the most important reference. I mentioned the Animal Crossing one, right? No, no. Shrek. You're missing Shrek. Shrek. I don't think we talk about Shrek enough on this show, but I feel like if we did, we would only talk about Shrek and this would have to be a (laughs) podcast about all the illusions in Shrek. But we see a very elusive frog prince in our very own far, far away 
with the king. Fiona's father was originally the frog prince. And we do see him revert back to being a frog at one point in the movies. I cannot tell you which one because I saw them when I was a child. And I'm so afraid of rewatching any but the first. I think it was the second They don't hold up. So there is our reference to Shrek for the day. Yay. If you want to hear more from us and find out what our next tale will be, come join us anytime on Twitter, Instagram at Tales from the Enchanted Forest. Or if you're old school like me, you can email us at Tales from the Enchanted Forest at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your questions, comments, and suggestions. So if you have anything to share, please don't hesitate. Don't let there be a frog in your throat. We're always here to listen. <laughs> and remember, you always have a place in the Enchanted Forest. And sometimes, if you stick around long enough, you might hear some bloopers. Us? Make a mistake? Never. What is the matter? Actually, I'm not going to do a voice. That was that was <laughs> horrifying. Golden I digress. Child. <laughs> do you have any more questions so far? <laughs> I don't know. None that I think worth asking at this point. Well, we've questioned why she's in the location she is. We've questioned why she doesn't care about this frog talking to her. We've questioned her personality. We've questioned her magical abilities. We've questioned her premise as a D&D character. <laughs> I think we've covered all our bases so far. Yeah, it seems about right. Don't let a frog catch your throat. That's not the what? expression. What's the expression? Don't let there's a frog. A, there's a frog. I, there's a frog in your throat. Oh yeah, sorry. I also really don't like that movie, so <laughs> <laughs> I've got a beef with it. Oh no, Ollie likes that movie, so we're going to watch it. No, no. Okay, here's the thing. If they just simply reworded that movie to be the extended music video of the album called "The Greatest Showman," it would be a fantastic thing. The fact that it's a movie trying to tell me a story, it's bad. <laughs> Music's fun, but... The way they did it was not fun. Oh my gosh. Okay, I have to talk about this because this drives me insane. The real guy that they based mm-hmm. the, like, the story off of was a horrible human being who exploited people. And everyone who worked for him had nothing to live off of. He was essentially like treating them like slaves and he didn't care about anyone. But this movie paints him out to be such a great guy. Oh, no. Like, you know, he's like, yeah, he's a little scrappy, but gosh darn it, Hugh Jackman's so likable. Which, I mean, it's really hard to hate Hugh Jackman. But at the same time, I feel so grimy. But at the end of it, there's essentially something that happens where it feels like that the movie itself is trying to say, if you don't like this movie, you're just being mean because this is great and i felt so offended and i was like oh oh no so the music's fun if you just go for the (laughs) visuals completely turn off your brain don't look up who this guy actually was and yeah you should have fun just never look up who this guy was (laughs) i probably will not so 